0: Thanks, especially if you're here uh, for the first time or visiting or uh, maybe here with a friend. Uh, maybe you're tuning in online and it's kind of a new experience. We often encourage you to maybe share the link. Thanks, guys. Share the link of, uh, of our online uh, feed. You know, for a lot of people, coming to church is a weird experience. You know, if you invited them to church, or like, man, I'm not into religion. You know, whatever people say. But sometimes sharing a link or encouraging them to listen in might be a first step for them to be like, you know what? It's not that bad, you know? The preacher guy's not that weird, a little bit weird, but not that weird, (laughs) you know. And and so we're just happy that you're here. And, uh, you know, many of you know this. I I get so passionate about preaching and about helping our church grow that I I speak very fast. How many of you notice that? Yeah, a little bit? No? And because it's a bike race, they told me I have to be shorter. So I'm going to double up the speed of my speaking because I got to get it all in. So I'm going to just speed it up extra time. No, actually, we're, uh, we're very mindful of today being a little bit of a different morning. Uh, we want to be just good neighbors and uh, encourage uh, you to, to, to just be careful even as you head out. But this morning, I want to kind of wrap up a series we've been in together. Some of you know this because you've been with us consistently. Maybe some of you are just dropping in in the middle of a series that happens. But we've been in a teaching series that's been about how we learn to think differently about convictions. And, and all of us know this, right? We all have different convictions about things we believe and things we feel, things we want to share with our kids, things we want to pass on and make sure like these are important values. Some of those convictions are cultural. They're, they could be cultural things that somebody shared with you. You know, some people have convictions of passing on a language to the next generation. Like they need to learn how to speak the right language. And if you're watching from anywhere else than Quebec, you might not get this, but passing on a language is very important. Sharing a certain thing is very important. We all have different convictions. But in this series, we've been thinking about what it means to reflect on biblical convictions, convictions that shape us from the scriptures and and transform something in us where we're growing and we're wiser and we're maturing and all those things. Because you know what? You don't have to be a Christian to have convictions. Anybody can have convictions. I know people who are atheists who have convictions, but having convictions is not enough. We wanna be people that have convictions that are shaped by the Bible. We wanna be people who have convictions that move people to want to say yes, Jesus not that people would just know that we're right and they're wrong and that's how the world often shapes how we think about convictions and so just as we begin maybe if you haven't been with us I want to ask you a very simple question I just want you to think about this Uh, if you had to like just share one of the most challenging things that's happened to you over the past 30 days or 40 days okay over this past month what would that be just think about it. if you had to write it down this was a quiz one thing that's been maybe the most difficult thing or the most surprising thing that's happened to you in the past 30 days, what would that be? Take a minute, you know, maybe in your job, maybe some of you got right away, are thinking we don't wear masks anymore, you know, that, what would that be? You know, for some of us, maybe we think the past 30 days, we lost some weight. Anyone feel like some of you gained some weight. I'm not going to point anybody out. I'm just saying however you feel, right? There's things that happen. But for many of us, it's easy to be the last 30 days have kind of been stable, like unless you lost your job or something drastic or somebody passed away. It's kind of been kind of the past 30 days. The reason I share this, and it's important to think about this, is because we have been learning that since Easter, we've landed to about 40 days. And if you read the Bible and you know anybody who's worshiped at Easter time or learned about Easter and the Resurrection, everybody in the Bible for that one month after Easter, their life was turned upside down. And we can easily read the Bible and have none of that happen to us. When that starts to happen to us, the Bible becomes a great book that we go to when we want to, when we have time, and we become more and more religious. We're people who have rituals and things that we do. We visit church sometimes or we give a bit of money to help the people, whatever. But we don't let the story of the Bible do something deep to us where we let God disrupt our lives. And it would be a shame for us to claim to be people of the Bible and then not try to live as people who are shaped by the fact that that first 35, 40 days, 50 days after the resurrection, everybody's rethinking their convictions. Everybody's trying to figure out, like, if Jesus is really alive we can't just go back to like doing life as we used to we can't just be like I visited church and I'm gonna go back to my old ways And you know why this is so dangerous today because we live in a world that teaches us to compartmentalize our faith we have Jesus time God time maybe you'll stay extra to Paula coming up you know you'll stay for that right but then Monday to Saturday I mean that's your time we don't want to bother you We hope some of you even just sign up for like the e-bulletin for a Bible study. And even that's like, oh, that's so inconvenient. That's a lot, Dom. That's crazy. I don't want to do that, right? We basically have found ways to have sprinkled spirituality on us to feel like we're Christians. We believe in God. When it's time to fight for our faith, we're going to fight. But everything else, let's not get, don't inconvenience me. And that can happen to you when you don't read the Bible properly. That can happen to us when we don't slow down and say, wait a second, there are some convictions I need to start to have that form me and shape me in a new way. And we've been trying to do that together in a series on convictions. We know that if we could help you think about what's happening in the Bible around that Easter time, you would think, if I was living at that time, would I be like ready to go wherever Jesus was calling me to go? Would I be ready to rethink beliefs that I had that needed to be rethought and reworked out? Many people lived in the world where they believed like all the gods are kind of the same, just in a different way. And now Jesus is alive and they're like, all gods are not all the same. I got to think through that again. Whatever that is, all these convictions kind of come up to the surface. And so maybe to help you, what I did is I went back over the past few weeks and I thought about here are some of the things we work through together. And I I want you to read in a second, read what's on the screen and just think about which of these has been most challenging for you. Which of these conviction moments required you to spend the most time in prayer, or study, or just reflection, or even talk to somebody about this, and you'll just see them on the screen. These are are just some of the things we work through together. Are my convictions moving people closer to Jesus or further from him? It's very simple. There's a life of deep conviction point people to Jesus, to say, Jesus transformed something in me. Do I have biblically rooted convictions that are not only true, but also good? This is so important. Convictions in the Bible are not just right or wrong. They're like things that we believe because they're also good for us. And they shape us into the people that God's calling us to be. Very, very different than most people. Am I committed to growing my convictions beyond conflict and confrontation? This is hard to do. I mean, I know people who just like, I have convictions and if you don't agree, I'm ready to to fight. And the Bible's always trying to say, easy, easy. Maybe there needs clarity here. Maybe there needs kindness. Maybe there needs like an openness. Maybe you need to grow up. Maybe there's that. So when you think about these, you know, maybe you're like, ah, oh, this one's the hardest for me. I tend to do this most often. You know why this is so important? Because if we don't get serious about this, we develop, confronta- we develop our convictions exactly like people in the world do. And last time I checked, we are people who are shaped not by the ways of the world, but by the ways of the scriptures by the ways of Jesus. And some of you are just starting that journey. Some of you are like, wait, this, like, this is new for me. Whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? So I wanna encourage you as we continue to grow in our faith to think about what it means to be people of conviction that's different than the way the world tells us to have convictions. That's different than the way the world says, this is what it means to stand up for what's right. We don't just care about what's right. We care about what's right in a way that also highlights why it's good and why it also points people to the way of Jesus. You see the difference? One of them is a shortcut, one of them is easy, one of them can be, can lack relationship. The other one is is so the way of Jesus, relational consistency, presence, being together. And and if you're a parent here, let me just tell you, if you don't learn these, as your kids get older, you're dead. Because the old model of, of telling your kids what to believe and making them just go to church with you and making them read their Bible, those models of relationships are finished. We're going to have to learn to be people who enter the space of our, our kids and our, our friends and grandchildren that they're like, I have different convictions. I think people who go to church are weird. Try not to get offended. I have people who read the Bible, they read the Bible because they need a crutch. They just believe in Santa in the sky. If you don't have anybody in your family who thinks that, you need more friends. Because people believe that every day. They think this is a joke. So we need to be people of conviction who can be present there and say, tell me about that. Why, why do you think you doubt the story of Jesus? Why is it that you think the Bible is kind of a book that's just made up? Why? Why is that? So you can have convictions, but they're in a different way. It's a different posture. This morning, as we kind of wrap up, I want to talk to you about the most dangerous kinds of convictions. The most dangerous kinds of convictions that can creep up into all of our hearts and all of our minds. And I wanna tell you about them by first telling you some good news. And I wanna point you to a section of the Bible, which is in the book of Acts, and it's Acts chapter 15. You can look it up in your device, or if you ha- you're at home, you have a Bible, or some of you know the Bible by heart, so I know that. I get it. Okay, Acts chapter 15. Let me give you a quick context, and I'll just explain. In Acts chapter 15, if you're reading your Bible, there's a little kind of subheading in your Bible that calls what happens in Acts 15, the Council of Jerusalem. Or the New King James calls it the Jerusalem Council, one of those, right? Now, you might be surprised, Like in the most ancient manuscripts we have of our Bibles, there are no titles like this in the Bible. Actually, the most ancient manuscripts we have of the Bible don't even have chapters in them. So so you're just reading through it and sorting your way. Some translations we have in manuscripts don't even have spaces between sentences. So you know what that means? We are so spoiled. (laughs) So when you don't read your Bible because you think it's hard, like you have no idea how hard it, it really has been in the history of Christianity. The Council of Jerusalem is a meeting, and I don't know what comes to mind when you think of council. You maybe think of, how many think of boring. How many of you? How many of you work somewhere where where you feel like couldn't you just send us an email for this? We needed a meeting. How many of you? I know you. Yeah, all, all of you. That's me. All right. This is a meeting that you need to go to. We can't send you an email about. This is one of those meetings that requires us to listen in on how the earliest Christians are dealing with a deep conviction and in Acts chapter 15, we're left in this moment where there's Jewish people who have said yes to Jesus, and I'll show you in a minute, and they're working out this very important problem. It's still a problem for us today. How do we help other people who don't believe in Jesus yet? How do we help them understand that what Jesus is doing is also for them? How do we we help people who feel like they don't belong? How do we tell them in a way they understand that they do belong? How do we help people who feel so lost and broken and alone that Jesus has done something that is also for them to not feel lost, to not feel broken, to not feel alone anymore. How do we do that? And it requires a meeting. I think of church meetings. Some of you know this. I've been a pastor long enough and I've been in some church meetings. One church meeting I was at, we had to call the cops. It was spicy and it wasn't because of the Holy Spirit. It was not. Fighting and I see the word counsel and I think hey, it's kind of weird, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful, this meeting. We feel the tension of the church. We feel the spirit of God doing something new and them having to wrestle with what to do next. I grew up in a world where when you hear the Holy Spirit at work, you usually think of everything is beautiful. Let's all be friends. Next week, we'll start a series on the Holy Spirit. We'll get you. Don't worry. But it's like the Holy Spirit does something new, new life, new creation, new hope, and everything is a mess. And we're like, blessings that lead to wisdom and hard work. That is the church the blessings of God, new things of God, and us willing to say, God, if this is you, what do we need to do? How do we need to prepare? What do we need to learn? How do we need to grow in our convictions and see something new? And this is what we're told in that meeting, that there's Pharisees who are leaders, and this is what they say, okay? Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, you can circle belong to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. This is kind of the tension of the moment. That there's believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees. Now maybe you missed that. And you're like, you know, you're just reading the story. This means that people who were Pharisees now worship Jesus as Lord. Do you you get that? The people who crucified Jesus are now at the place where they've realized that they were what? Wrong. This is a great moment of people with conviction who are like, oh my goodness, okay, Jesus is alive. And so we already see this movement in the church where these Pharisees, not all Pharisees, by the way, but a group of them who are like, Jesus, yes, like, we understand the story of Jesus is connected to the story of Israel. But what do we do with people that are not Jewish? The word in the Bible for people who are not Jewish is the word Gentile, okay? If you need another word for that, just think of you. All of you, unless you're Jewish, you know, okay? It's, it's not a complicated idea. Anybody who is not Jewish was a Gentile. And the Jewish people were always kind of like, I hope you don't move next door because I don't like the smell of your food. And I hope you don't come too close because you worship weird idols. I hope, I hope. And after a while, Jews and Gentiles was this big chasm. Like, the Gentiles are people out there. The people you don't want your kids to marry. You got them? Yeah? Now I ask God to forgive you. And now, we know that because of what Jesus is doing, the Jewish people are like, listen, God is doing something special. And the Gentiles are connecting. And, and, and it tells us that they have to have a discussion. And in a minute, like, the, the real heavy honcho in the group is going to speak. Peter. It's so important for Peter to speak, right? Peter knows what it's like to drop the ball. Peter knows what it's like to be with Jesus on fire one day and doubt Jesus the next day. You know anyone like that? Oh, we're going to do it. I believe in the butt. It was a rough day. It was raining. I'm tired. I don't know. I don't know if I believe anymore. Right? Like, that's us. We're, we feel that. We're like, oh, the uh, and Peter's gonna speak, and there's a sense that Peter's already grown. He's gonna share, and he's gonna share from brokenness and healing and authority and and the power of Jesus because Jesus had called him and the disciples to go and feed my sheep now, go and teach them. And Peter's gonna share something so profound. Let me just share with you what Peter says. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the holy spirit to them just as he did to us now then why do you try to test why do you try to test god by putting on the necks of gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to believe <laughs> did that quick okay Maybe this is a lot to understand. You're like, what's going on? But Peter says, let me just explain this to you. You know how dangerous it is to think that somehow we could put hurdles in front of people who we see that God is ready to do something new among them. And one of the things that they say is that we notice that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in the Gentile communities in a way that we were not ready for. Like, this is new for us. So we need to figure out and be very, very careful that we don't test God by putting a hurdle and by blocking the steps for these Gentiles now to know that they belong to the family of God, that they're part of this family with us. You know, it's not enough for the Gentiles to just experience God. It's not enough for the Gentiles to just have the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles must know that they're part of what God has always been doing through the people of Israel. This is important. This is so important. They need to know that the thing that used to separate them, now Jesus has closed the gap on. And Jesus is like, no, no no cultural difference, no linguistic difference, not even what you eat should divide you because of what Jesus has done. And Peter shares this, and the Pharisees are there and they're thinking, oh boy, we're with you with Jesus, but like are there some things that they still have to do? Now all the men here are like, please don't say circumcision, please don't say circumcision, please, please, please. Why was circumcision such a big deal? Because it was a marker from the Old Testament that the people of God had made a special covenant with the God of Israel. And it continued to remain a special marker, like an identifier of what it meant to be the people of God. So like, yes, they can believe in Jesus. Yes, they can say, but they need to get circumcised. Like this one thing they need to do. Maybe some of you think of your own life and you think of hurdles, how easy it is to put hurdles in front of people. You know, I often think that when I think of hurdles that keep people from saying yes to Jesus or keep people from knowing that they belong, You know, I grew up thinking that's the devil's job. The devil does that. The devil's creating a storm in my life. The devil's causing me to doubt my faith. The devil, the devil. And then we we read about how sometimes the devil uses us and then we are the ones that put hurdles in front of people. I was for years a youth pastor. I sat with parents in their home who they cried. There was a time when parents cared that the kids didn't come to church. We're beyond that now, but there was a time when I sat with parents and they prayed and they're like, Why are my kids in church and why aren't they connecting to faith? We've had, you know, years of people of faith. And I said, One of the biggest hurdles for your kids to ever say yes to Jesus is you. You're the hurdle. Now, they didn't like me. We didn't, you know, they could change church. But sometimes we are the ones that become a hurdle because we know the way we came to God, we know the way we love God, we know the kind of Bible translation we like, we know the kind of music we like, and preferences become convictions. Our opinions become the same as the authority of the Bible. And after a while, everybody's just confused. And I grew up in that world thinking, okay, it's wonderful that people like that. And it's wonderful that you have certain preferences. Like, uh, you know, I remember going to a church and the preference was that we had to have an altar call every week. People, come, let's stand up and I'll come to the front. And, which is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, by the way. If you've ever seen that in a positive way, not in a The Simpsons creepy kind of way, but in a positive way, It's you understanding that you're coming to an altar to die to yourself. It's beautiful. I've seen that done well, and I've seen people say, I remember that moment when Jesus said, you now, you come. Forget about your wife, forget about your husband, you. Come. But I was in context where that had to happen every week, and if it didn't happen every week, we weren't a biblical church. We didn't believe in sin. We didn't believe, and I was like, wow see how quickly things that are preferences things that are good things that are holy things that are special become convictions that now everybody needs to do them because I say they're good for me they should be good for you when that happens a hurdle is created instead of a space to say hey this is what's helped me what is Jesus doing in you how is Jesus calling you how how are you learning to die to yourself how are you doing that each of us are learning to live in a world that's very different than the world our parents gave us and our culture gave us. But we still have convictions and we want to be very careful that one of the most dangerous kinds of convictions are convictions that confuse convictions shaped by scriptures with preferences shaped by culture. Okay? All of us do, every one of us does that. And we get nervous and we're like, it has to be this way. You've got to read the Bible this way, this many times. And then what's the, what should be a conviction becomes legalism. Because if you don't do this the way I, then people watch. And then there's judgmentalism. Oh, how many times did you read your Bible? Did you pray this morning? Did you go to church? Did, no, no, no. Like, Jesus is like, forget that. You belong to a new family. I'm healing you from the inside out. Now, don't you want to grow in this new life? Yes. Then you read the scriptures. See the difference? One, you move from a place of love to growth. The other way, you move from a place of shame to being judged, to being like, i got to stay in, and if I don't do this, I'm out. See, it's such a different posture. The good news for each of us is that in the moment, in the book of Acts, some of you know this, you can read it. They decide that they're gonna make it clear that Gentiles do not have to be circumcised to know that they're part of this. And all the men said, all right, amen. Some of you, oh wait, okay. All right, we're we're, we're like, yes, there is a God, (laughs) right? There's a moment, they do this. It's a deep moment of conviction. Can you imagine those Pharisees? We're like Jesus. You, you're you're turning everything inside of us upside down. We're trying. We are the teachers of the law. Okay, Peter. P, how do we how do we mess with Peter and Barnabas? And they're going like, okay, like we sense that this is the right thing. We sense this is what God you want us to do. And they're not foolish about it. They're not foolish about. They're like we're going to send you out and we're going to learn. And they actually send a few guidelines with them. Remember, meat sacrificed to idols. Be careful about that. Right? They're being wise and they're learning. But what you don't expect is what is about to happen next. Let's see for time here, quickly. What happens next is so important. In the next chapter of Acts, Acts 15 is the council of Jerusalem. Acts 16 is now them working through what happens next after the council of Jerusalem. Paul, who's one of the key leaders who's there, Peter, key leaders, they're gonna start to move out and they're excited. Like they can't wait to go to a church that doesn't have a lot of Jewish people in them and say we have great news from the council of Jerusalem. We got good news. And they're like, tell us, tell us that the Lord spoke to them and we don't have to be circumcised and we don't have, to. No, 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 tell, they're like, yeah, you belong, you're part of us. Jesus is at work. We're discerning the Holy Spirit. The next thing that happens is beautiful. Paul, as he's traveling, he's noticing that now because the, the ministry of God is expanding, they need what? Not a trick question. They need leaders. Leaders are needed when God starts doing something new. They need leaders to step up and say, we notice that God is at work. The Holy Spirit is in us. We see that that's God. Do you have anyone to help with this? Do you have anyone to serve? Do you have anyone to give? Can we, can we help? So Paul starts to travel and we're told, Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, and you'll see a map behind me, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Very, very important. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Now, I, I give you the map there, just so you can kind of see like, just the messy factor of like, what's happening in the early church. Like whenever you get up and you feel overwhelmed, like, ah, oh, it's a lot, my kids are in youth, I, I wanna be on the Zoom prayer, and I wanna do the Bible study, and I wanna be, and I wanna grow, and I wanna serve my name. Like, just think about it, the complexity of being Paul on this trip. Not on Air Canada First Class. Not on Via via Rail with the review where you complain when the food's cold. On a ship at sea thinking people who don't know Jesus need to hear that they now can belong. People who thought that all the gods were all the same and you just find your own way need to know that there's a God that looks for you when you're lost. That's what Paul's going to start to do. And he notices that there's a young leader there named Timothy. If you're into the academics of it all, we're not really sure how young Timothy is. That, that word young in the Greek can mean a lot of things, it could mean younger than an elder, or it can mean really, really young. You know, I like to think most of us when we read the Bible, we just put Timothy whatever age we are, because <laughs> we want to feel young, right? So he's 22, that's what he is, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> you're, some of you are judging me, okay. So, and we're told something very special about Timothy. He has a Jewish story, and he has a Greek story. He's a franco and maybe something else. He lives in multiple languages. He lives in multiple cultures. And Paul's like, this is perfect. This is someone who's going to be able to make his way through the complexity of the world that God is sending us into. Now, Paul is already that kind of leader. And we know from Timothy's story, it's really, really important, that where he grew up, there were many other gods and things to believe. And what's really profound in this moment is that Paul is about to do something that none of us expects. This is what he does next. Paul wanted Timothy Timothy, to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him. You're, You're like, wait a second. Okay, wait a second. I'm so confused. Let's go on because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. You need, you need to feel this, we just came from Acts 15. What was the rule? That you don't what? You don't circumcise. Did Paul forget, on the, did he bang his head on the trip, on the ship? What just happened? No, Paul is teaching us what it means to have convictions with compassion. He's teaching us what to be people of conviction with wisdom. He's teaching us what it's like to be, the most dangerous convictions you can have are convictions that don't pay attention to where God's placed you. The most dangerous. They become the kind of legalism and the kind of religiosity and the kind of, it's worse than atheism. Religious legalism is worse than atheism. At least atheists say they don't believe in God. Religious legalism is using God and making him sound like you. So Paul says, Timothy, listen. God is going to use you in profound ways. But before that can happen, we have to do something that you probably heard the Council of Jerusalem decided we don't have to do. We have to circumcise you. Because the Greek people and the Jewish people, when they know that you're not circumcised, the Jewish people won't listen to you. They won't respect you. They'll think that you're not really one of them. So we have to do this. Now we don't have all the details, thank God. We don't have all the details of how that happens and, how God walks with Paul and Timothy through the special friendship and relationship. But what we know is that Timothy is about to make one of the great sacrifices for the sake of reaching the Jews as a Greek. As I was reading this this week, I thought about how one of the most important things we have to remember is that God shapes us to be people who have convictions formed by sacrifices for others. Convictions that require us to say, I'm willing to sacrifice so that others would understand that they're the kind of convictions that point other people to Jesus. When's the last time you sacrificed for the sake of someone else? If you're a parent, you have a thousand examples. I get up early, I make lunch, I watch this. you know, I do it all for my kids, right? But let's just take it another level. When's the last time you sacrificed for someone that you kind of didn't know and you wanted to point them to Jesus? When's the last time you did that? Are we the kind of people that are willing to have convictions that are shaped by deep sacrifice? Because when that happens, God uses moments of convictions where we stand up and we say, we're not going to be like the world. When we do that in a way where other people are like, you would sacrifice for something that doesn't even benefit you. You're like, yeah, but why would you do that? Because that was the way of Jesus our Lord. That was the way Jesus lived. And that's the way we want to live. Think about this season that we're in, what it is that God is calling each of us to sacrifice. To sacrifice in a way that other people would know that we have these deep convictions that people who don't belong should know that they belong now, and we will sacrifice. I thought about this this week in a very particular way because I was with some of our partner church partner churches and friends in the U.S. And some of you know this about the 180, periodically I, I travel or I visit with some churches and in order for the 180 to survive, we have people who pray and who give and who support our church who've never been here. Equals sacrifice. If you're watching, we love you guys. Uh, they, they are faithful and, and this is their main, their main auditorium I sat in this week. I, I don't know what day this was, it was Tuesday. I was on their balcony and I took a picture And I just, I sent actually this picture to our elders. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, if a church is this big, it's easy for you to sacrifice. But there was a time when this church was not there. And people sacrificed. They gave, they served, they loved each other, they engaged in the community. The auditorium said, I don't know how many thousands. It's not the point. But people from this community, after they sacrificed for their own church, said, this is not about our church. This is not just having a big church. This is not about people coming to church in America. We want to know where we need to sacrifice so people who are not here, they also know that they belong. And they began to help us. Before this was here, before the warehouse was here, before any of this was here, people were giving financially, were praying for us. I met some of those people. They look at me and they're they're just, we're so excited about what God's doing at the 180. We're gonna continue to sacrifice with you. We're gonna continue to pray with you. You know, I have a deep conviction that if you're gonna ask other people to help you, you should be willing to help yourself. So, next time I visit them, oftentimes they ask me this, they'll ask me, how are the 180 people sacrificing? What should I say? How are we saying, no, no, we are gonna sacrifice first? When it comes to giving, and we use this phrase, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice when it comes to serving, when it comes to finding our place, when it comes to saying, I want to belong here. Simple things. You sign up for the e-bulletin. <laughs> like it's, does it sound like sacrificial? You sign up for our e-bulletin so you know what's happening in the week. You know why? So you can pray. So you can say, these are the things that are happening through the life of this body of which I belong to. And a friend says to you, you know, I have a teenager. Like, you don't have a teenager, but they have a teenager and they're struggling. You're like, we have our youth ministry and they meet every two weeks. How would you know that? So you are like, I don't know. I don't even care. I just showed up. My wife brought me here. I'm not sure. People of conviction. People who are ready to stop. Timothy did it first. The council of Jerusalem did it first. Because of that council, because of Timothy, we are here, by the way. The Gentiles will be reached. The New Testament will start to be spread out. People are going to be reached because other people sacrificed. Let me close. This is what it says. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, right? that they did such a good job at explaining the decision of a council meeting. You know how hard it is to explain a council meeting? We have minutes for it. We read it, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. You read the minutes of a meeting to sleep. Right? Like when you're like, read this before your next work meeting. You're like, I'm not reading this. It's details, annoying. Uh, Brother so-and-so had a question. Brother so-and-so had a rebuttal. Uh, You know, we have all these things. They, They just, forget that. We wanna explain to you that the heart of the council of Jerusalem was that you now are part of what God's doing in us and that you now belong just like we belong and your language and your culture and everything else that you think kept you far away from God. Now, Jesus has done something that brings us together. And if you don't believe us, let us introduce you to Timothy who's already sacrificing for the sake of this. Let us introduce you to others who are already sacrificing and they, many of the Greeks, Many of the Gentiles started to become part of the church and the church started to grow. You know what that means? The church started to grow? More problems. That's what that means. You know, if you don't learn to read your Bible, you read that as like, oh, it's magically all work. No, no, no. There's going to be more challenges because God's blessings come with more opportunities for us to trust Him again. So as we wrap up the series, we've given you convictions till you're blue in the face. I've encouraged you and I will keep encouraging you, be careful in your heart when convictions, you sound like someone just like someone in the world. Be careful when our convictions are not shaped by deep compassion and wisdom. To know the conviction, to know the decision and yet to say, Timothy in this case we're gonna tweak this, you need to be circumcised. And to live in the wisdom of that and the compassion of that, because when that doesn't happen, all convictions become very dangerous. They become a way of winning, a way of controlling, a way of making other people like you, and that's never the way of Jesus. Let's just stand as we pray. For some of you, maybe this is still brand new. And maybe you still don't feel like you belong or are not sure how to belong. So as I pray, I'm just going to pray for some of you, maybe. You know it's time to maybe just take the next step to just come a bit closer and say, I don't just want to attend here, I want to understand what it means to belong here, what it means to grow with others, what it means to mature and understand the Bible better. And maybe the Spirit of God is just speaking to you today. So let's just pray. God, we're so grateful for leaders like Timothy and Paul and Peter, those Pharisees at the Council of Jerusalem. Thank you for the Spirit's leading to allow us to have the scriptures today that we read and we feel how you were stretching them in their convictions so that room was made for us, so that we would know that we belong, that we have a place. One day you will ask us whether we were obedient in how we lived our convictions so that other people would be convinced, Jesus, that you are alive. I pray for parents in this room, that their convictions in their homes, the way they speak, when they pray, would be a sign to their kids of their deep love for you and their conviction to keep you at the center of their marriage. But I also pray for those maybe who are still new in this journey. Maybe someone listening today, maybe on a podcast, maybe in their car, maybe in this room who's not sure what it means that they can belong they have felt like outsiders for so long. They felt like they're just so different and they've made too many mistakes and too many sins and too many problems. And yet we're reminded again that Holy Spirit, you love to draw us to the way of Jesus by healing us, by helping us to do a 180 when when we confess our sins and begin to walk in a way that honors you. Some of us are about to enter a world that will make it easy to forget all the things that you wanna do in us. I pray a special protection over us this week, Father, in a culture that makes us busy and overwhelmed and just so many other things that we can kinda put you to the side for a Sunday morning. Would you protect us from that temptation? May we see you at work every day as we center ourselves around what you're doing and what you wanna do. And may we model that in a special way, even now, as we leave this building, as we greet neighbors, as we drive off and just see young kids riding their bikes, families and people who are not in church today, who have made other commitments, who have other convictions. May we even just pray and remember that you've called us here to be a light in a world where people still don't understand. Help us and give us the wisdom we need to have convictions with compassion convictions with wisdom, so they too would be convinced, Jesus, of your ways. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone, before we let you go, you're going to get your kids and very, very quickly. Likely, we're all going to leave the parking lot by going right. You're going to go right, you're going to get to stop sign, and then you're going to go left, and then they're going to, you know, so careful. Remember, we are witnesses of being part of this community, so be gentle, be kind. If somebody yells at you, just say, amen. Bonne chance, whatever. Okay, God bless. See you next week, everyone.